This episode is brought to you by our 2023 bronze sponsor, Continental Title. Thank you to Continental Title and all of our 2023 sponsors. Welcome to Real Time Real Estate, a podcast brought to you by St. Louis Realtors, your voice for real estate. Hello, everyone. My name is Karen Dunn, and I am the Senior VP of Professional Development at St. Louis Realtors. And today we're being joined by Janet Judd of Remax Results, and we're going to be discussing realtor safety. Thank you for joining us, Janet. Let's take a moment to introduce yourself. Hi, Karen. Thanks for having me. I've been a realtor for 38 years, and my very first career was that of as a police officer in Clayton, first female with 55 guys. And it's kind of like once you're a police officer, you're always a brother or sister in blue. So realtor safety has always been a passion of mine, and I really appreciate this opportunity to talk about it. In fact, NAR considered it so important that they've created training, instructional videos, et cetera, for us to use. And last year, I was NAR's chair of the Realtor Safety Advisory Committee. Let's start out with um, holding an open house. What do you consider some of the basic tips that you would recommend for holding a safe open house? All right, I've got a few more than three, but let's go ahead and talk about them. You know, I am a big advocate of making everyone sign in. And it's just a matter of saying, you know what, it's not for my benefit, it's for the seller's benefit. They really want people to sign in. And of course, you're going to get some fake names, but that's okay. You know, it's just a matter of making them sign in. And the reason why is there was actually a court case that um, someone came back and attacked the realtor. And they were able to determine that it was him by his signature on the sign-in sheet. That was one of the pieces of circumstantial evidence that helped convict him. So it helped. Um, The other item is I put like a little bell on the front door. I have like a little buffalo door hanger thingy that goes over the door um, handle. And so when someone comes in, comes or goes, I hear that little bell. And it just makes me a little bit more aware when someone's coming and going, makes me look at the front door and it can just kind of interrupt the conversation. But it's because I need to know who's coming in so that I can talk to them. Uh, The other thing is, is that, you know, when the open house is ending, I like to lock the front door. I may just made it, I might do just the bottom lock in case I need to make a fast exit, but I just don't want other people coming into the house. And then I want the house to be totally quiet. I'm going to hold my breath. I'm going to listen. You know, I'm going to listen at the top of the basement stairs. And because people can't be quiet, if someone's in the house, you're going to hear them take a, make a sigh. They're going to take a deep breath. They might shuffle, but you've got to be quiet to hear that. Oh, that's an excellent tip. Yep, that's a real biggie when you're closing out an open house. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like to tell my sellers, I'm not going to be responsible for your house in its entirety. You know, I'm not going to party hardy at your open house. But it's up to you to come and check when you get home. Check the the windows to make sure they're locked. I'm not going to be able to check every single window, but that's what the opportunist will do is they might unlock a laundry room window. Obviously, I'll check that. Mm -hmm. But they might unlock other windows also. So it's up to the seller to make sure that those items are taken care of, making sure the garage doors, uh, if there are entry doors in the garage, making sure those are secure, et cetera. 
um, my favorite item is, and I still smile when I think about it, is I like talking to the neighbors and telling them I'm having an open house. I'll go to the one next door, next door, and across the street for sure. And I still smile when I think about an open house that I had. And when I was closing up, I looked across the street, and there was this little old gentleman sitting there in the rocking chair, uh, very stereotype, and he said, bye-bye, Janet. And I went over there to talk to him. He says, yeah, I was sitting out here the whole time watching your open house. He said, wanted to make sure that you'd be okay. So I went to Walgreens immediately and bought him one of those big candy bars for being such a sweetheart. But people do pay attention if you ask them to. That's so sweet. And it's not only a good policy that people are watching you, they could be future clients too. If they see you do a good job and you sold that home, that you could be doing business with them in the future. And but you know what? There's a big new thing coming along in other parts of the country that they're only doing open houses for one hour. They're not doing two or three hour or four hour open houses. They're doing a one hour open house. So that means you've got to make it. And if you don't make it, then you're going to have to call the agent to make an appointment. So it really helps generate more activity. And you're probably going to want someone else with you at that open house because they have such a flurry of activity in that one hour. Yeah, I think that's a good policy. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Those are all great tips. Um, let's segue for a minute into marketing. Uh, what do you feel like is appropriate marketing, and what may be too much? I'm going to talk about two things, social media and photography. So one of my... I'm I'm not going to say I'm adverse to it, but I don't like it when I see agents with suggestive photographs. And by that, I mean these bad guys will think anything is suggestive. Mm -hmm. So if you're wearing something with a deep V-neck, if your pose is with your hand on your hip and and it's, it's, they, they will think anything is sultry and suggestive. So my thing is your business card has got to be business-like. So maybe something, you know, above, just slightly below the collarbone, maybe a collared shirt, you know, the colors that seem very professional. And you're going to have a smile that I call a professional smile, not the I love you or I like you smile. That's a totally different smile because you're giving off your, uh, an aura of being vulnerable and subservient. And that's what the bad guys look for. And they'll shop for us on Facebook. You know, they'll look for us and they'll have several women in a queue when they're doing that. And we call those guys predators. So you don't want to have the kind of look that you don't, that you're subservient and you don't want to have that aura out there. So you want to be more authoritative. So have a better business card. Yeah, I agree. I've my seen, other, mm-hmm. oh, I'm sorry, oh, go ahead. My other item was social media, mm-hmm. that you don't want to share with everyone what's your favorite coffee place, what's your favorite gym, or that every Tuesday you're at this jazzercise class. That's just silly because that's where these guys will show up. You know, if you're saying, after I drop my kids off, I like to go to Starbucks, and that's where I read my emails, these guys like to do that. And it's funny, but not funny. They'll stand right behind you. And they'll be totally socially acceptable, normal guys. 
and they're mostly blue collar. They're between the ages of 30 and 55. They're socially acceptable. They're usually engaged in a relationship and they live to try to engage with you. So that's something you've got to be very aware of and start be more cognizant and recognize faces. It's frightening how easily you can, can become a target just based on some behaviors. And you, know, you think a photograph is something pretty innocent, but you have to be very intentional with that type of photograph. So thanks for that kind of tip that it should be very businesslike. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think is the best policy uh, with colleagues and our family knowing your appointments and your whereabouts at all times? I personally love it. And, you know, my husband has my location on his phone all the time, 24 hours a day, all seven days a week. And I have his. I never pay attention to his, <laughs> but he does pay attention to mine. And that's because of the appointments and where we are and, you know, in case I have a flat tire or a car accident and I'm not able to call, et cetera, at least he knows my last known location. And I think it's something that should be shared if you're in any kind of relationship with a friend, a coworker, your boss, if you're in that kind of environment. You know where you're at, mm-hmm. most definitely. Janet, do you feel that criminals view politeness, especially excessive politeness, as a weakness, or could it influence their decision of ill intent? Oh, it certainly does. That's a great question, Karen. You know, because as children, we're brought up to be polite and courteous and nice and not mean, et cetera. And I'm I'm not laughing that, you know, what you learned in kindergarten is great, but sometimes it doesn't keep you safe. And when someone has crossed a boundary with you, that's when it's okay for you to say, I'm not comfortable with this. And you certainly don't have to apologize to anyone. So if someone's saying something that you're not that you're not comfortable with, if they're doing something that you're not comfortable with, do not apologize. Just remove yourself from the circumstances. Say, I've got to take a call outside. Don't say, I'm sorry. I'm going to go out there on the porch. No, you don't know that to anyone. You're not comfortable. Extract yourself from that situation. You know, I think as women, we are particularly taught to be polite and to be people pleasers. Um, when I've heard you make mention of something that you call spidey sense. Yes. Can you explain a little bit about what you what that is? How, what you, well, how do you describe that? we all that? have been, you know, the Marvel comics, et cetera. But your body knows, your intuition knows when something's about to happen. And it's kind of like the air around you gets a little bit electrified. And, you know, the hair on your arm will stand up. Your adrenaline will start pumping. Your, your, your pupils will dilate, et cetera, because you're just getting a little bit excited or anxious. Your hands will get sweaty. Uh, that's one of my symbols or symptoms is when I'm starting to get nervous, I'll get the sweaty hands. Wow. So, that, But you'll have different symptoms. And that's what you want to be cognizant of is so that when you feel that, you're going – Oh, my spidey sensors or my angel or whatever is telling me to be careful, be extra aware, and you got to pay attention to it. Okay, that's absolutely a, a human nature thing. Absolutely, we, we do have that. Um, but if you notice uh, suspicious or unusual behavior, say you're not in the context of an open house, but you're in a parking lot or you're just you know out in the public somewhere, uh, what what do you what is the first action someone should take um, if they notice that? 
All right. So if you're on a parking lot, you know, I always told my kids and I tell people in safety seminars, use your shopping cart. You know, that's something to keep people away from you. It can be a block between you and a bad guy or a bad person. So it's use your shopping cart effectively. And then if you borrow something, you have to put it away. So put the shopping cart away. <laughs> That's my... <laughs> after the danger passes. Yeah, after the okay. danger passes. But, okay. But the other thing is, is that don't be on your phone all the time. Be aware of where you're at and looking around because that's going to make you less of a victim. They're going to see you as someone that's more strong and authoritative, and they may not pick on you. But if you're distracted, you're setting yourself up for disaster. The other thing that I want to point out is that if someone approaches you, you can say stop or, you know what, stay stay right there. Put your hand up, mm-hmm. you know, or just give them a look and make them stop so that you feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. And if you're not comfortable, distance yourself or leave. Yeah, and I think that does demonstrate that you're not weak, that you, you are, you know, vocal enough to say stop. Stop and, and don't and apologize. It's don't okay. apologize. No. I have a really gruff <laughs> tone of voice. <laughs> When I'm issuing an order. And <laughs> That's that police background yeah, of yours coming it's, it's, in. It's gross. But, but I do see that a lot with uh, with individuals on phone calls. And men and women are both guilty of it, and they be, can both be targets, for maybe for different reasons. But men are just as susceptible to being a victim of crime. Two out of the, five business. are men. Two out of five? Two in, out of five. Of realtors? Yes. Okay. Um, and in fact, our industry, and we're talking real estate, And when we talk real estate, we're talking about appraisers, inspectors, loan officers, property managers, agents, realtors, et cetera. The Department of Labor considers us a high-risk occupation. I mean, we're talking, that goes in line with minors. That goes with NASA. They consider those high-risk occupations, and we're in line with that. But we're different because we don't follow OSHA rules. We're the wild, wild west. We can do what we want. So... But we are considered a high-risk occupation. And like I said, in all those other environments of property manager, et cetera, more than 20 persons of the real estate occupation are murdered every year since 2011. Staggering. That's more people murdered than police officers on the New York City Police Department every year. That's a staggering statistic. And that's directly from the National Association of Realtors. It really is. So we're in a very vulnerable uh, Dangerous. line of work, for exactly. sure. Exactly, and yeah. we need to be cognizant of that so that we can take care of ourselves. Yeah, I agree. Now, um, knowing you for as many years as I've had, I know that you have um, you know, certain boundaries when it comes to working with clients. Um, do you feel that there's a specific time of day or a cutoff point by which you do not show property? I do not show property when it's dark, period. Not to anybody, no one, mm-hmm. ever. And it's because they can't see what they want to see. And they can't tell if the house behind it's a junky house, if it's purple. But it also is for liability purposes, taking care of my clients. They can't see trip hazards. They can't see hazards in the yard. They can't see any of that. So it's, why bother? I also don't show property if the weather's bad. So if Rockwood School District calls off their schools because of ice or snow or anything like that, I'm not leaving my house. I'm not showing property. And my buyers know that. That makes perfect sense. 
Do you think bad guys plan ahead, or is it just a matter of opportunity? Those are two different kinds of criminals. There are predators, and they do plan everything ahead, down to the last detail. The other one is an opportunist. And what they're looking for is they want to be um, in a situation where it's just opportunity. They're the ones that will take something from a house. They'll take medicine. They'll take, well, now people are taking marijuana, gummy bears or anything like that that they can take. But they'll take medicines, guns, checks, money, jewelry. Mm -hmm. If someone leaves it out, they're going to take. But the predator, that's something that they're planning it. And they get high off of planning it. They get sexually turned on planning it. Mm -hmm. And that's why when they have that opportunity to call you, there's nothing about them that's going to raise your suspicions. They're very comfortable in showing you their driver's licenses. And the FBI says driver's license and false identities are so prevalent and they're so good nowadays that these bad guys will have four or five IDs. And they're so good, they can fool police officers. Mm -hmm. So that's the reason why you've got to be aware that Sometimes taking a picture of someone's driver's license isn't always a great thing because it can easily be a fake. So you've got to be aware of the behaviors of a predator, and they'll get you to trust them. And then all of a sudden they'll say, I would like to see, or can we add this house? And it will be a house totally different from what they've been wanting to see. And it'll be rural. It'll be by itself. It'll be off the road. It'll be in an area where Wi-Fi is poor. And you need to be aware of that so that you can take someone with you. Mm-hmm. You can schedule it at a time when you're comfortable because what they'll do is they'll say, I have to see it at 3 o'clock. That's where you can take charge and say, no, I can show it to you between 1230 and 1.30. So we have more control over this scheduling and, and uh, the way we meet with clients. Mm-hmm. Maybe when someone is brand new in the business, they don't feel like that. Maybe they feel like, they have to comply with every request, but they really don't. And the earlier they learn that in their career, the better. Exactly. I mean, the doctors, you'll tell them, I've got six or in the morning free, can I come in? They'll go, no. Mm-hmm. That's so you true. Know, your hairdresser, I want an appointment at noon. No. Mm-hmm. So you can do it also. I agree. I agree. That's terrific. We're going to talk for a second about uh, given the choice of flight or fight, uh, which is the best option in a threatening situation. And recently, there was um, a scenario, something that happened in St. Charles County that you know a little bit about. If we could talk about that for a second, because it's real life um, scenario. It really is. And there was a realtor, a female. She went on a listing call, and the gentleman was talking with her, and they were sitting on the sofa. And he pulled a weapon, a gun, and threatened her. And she had the wherewithal to run. She ran. She got to the door, was, was able to extract herself from the situation. And that's the reason she's alive. But that was her first instinct was to run. And running away is as courageous as fighting. It's a personal choice that you can make. Mm-hmm. And freeze or fight, you know, it's flight, freeze, or fight. And flight is when you run and you don't look back. You know, if you're going to freeze, your body goes through a whole different array of symptoms. And, like, your limbs will physically stiffen. You know, your breathing, 
you may not be able to breathe well. Or I speak. mean, you'll get lightheaded. You can't speak. Your, to- your tongue feels like it's ill-thickened, and you just can't breathe. So everyone has different sy- sy- different symptoms of freeze, flight, and, fall, and fight. You know, um, everyone knows I'm a fighter. Mm-hmm. I'm a dirty fighter. I will bite, kick, scream, scratch. I probably would have tried to wrestle a gun from him. I don't know. You just don't know what you're going to do in a circumstance. But you can train yourself that you might have that moment of panic when something comes up, but then you teach yourself to get out of it. Mm-hmm. That, yes, you have that panic, but then you go, i got to do this. And that's something that you can teach some people, and sometimes you just can't. You know, I think that's such a good thing that maybe some of our brokerages could do, could have uh, little scenarios like that training uh, in their their offices, you know, maybe during a sales meeting, where they they role play, and, and it gets someone accustomed to that. It might not mimic exactly what you have, what happens in a real life scenario, but it gets our agents thinking about the potential and how they would respond to that. Because is it? do you think it's a good idea that potential clients are informed that the agent has a safety protocol or an office policy that's being followed? That's exactly where I would have taken this conversation, is that clients appreciate the fact that you've got a business protocol in place. So when I'm meeting someone that I've never met before, you know, I will always ask them via text or during the conversation. Some conversations are via text. Yes. And I'll say, consider us confirmed on such and such a date at such and such a time. But I need for you to send me your license plate and the type of car you're going to be driving and how many occupants or how many people will be at this appointment. If you don't, I will not be making the appointment. And I'm going to say it's probably 60-40 that people respond appropriately. And if they don't, I do not make that appointment. And my sellers know that's part of my protocol. And I explain that to them. So I'll tell them, I'll do it. But if they don't do this, I'm not showing it. Mm -hmm. And they appreciate that. When I'm meeting a new person, and I've already done gone through that with them, you know, I'll tell them at the front door, please don't stand directly behind me. Why don't you guys go look around the side of the house Go look at the backyard if you want. I'll go ahead and get the front door open. And then that way, that's when you're most vulnerable is when you're facing away from them. And I'm not comfortable with that. So once you train them that way, it's amazing. My clients will start looking around the house. They'll look at the landscaping. They'll look at the sprinkler system, the soffits. They'll be talking to me. And boom, I get it open. Yeah, that's great. It's what you you train them. You're... uh, background as a police officer certainly helped you formulate a lot of these plans and that thought process that you have. I, on the other hand, did not have that background. So I probably, as a realtor, have made every mistake we've possibly talked about and, and I done have some too. today. I have too. I that. Because when you were talking about being a new agent, you know, I needed money. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And when you need money, you'll do things that you usually don't do. So I was a Pop-Tart in the very beginning, and I put myself in some circumstances I never should have. Yeah, I Mm -hmm. I agree. Um, Any last thoughts on, uh, you've been doing this for a long time, and like I said, I'm so proud that NAR uh, recruited you to help them develop their program at that level, and I know you have 
instructed safety programs all across the country. But you are our hometown pride. So I want to thank you for being here today. And if there any last thoughts you want to leave our listeners with? Just remember that you are the most important thing to your family and that you want to make it home that night. So it's all about you and it's not about them. And if you've got to fight, fight like you're the third monkey trying to get on Noah's Ark and it's starting to rain. You know, you want to get home. So whatever you do, do that something that's right for you, but take care of yourself and make it home safely. Absolutely great words to live by. September is National Realtor Safety Month, but every single month, every week, every day should be Realtor Safety Day, week, month. So thank you so much for being here today, sharing everything that you know with us. We hope this um, helps our members and they take it to heart. I do too. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Real Time Real Estate, a podcast brought to you by St. Louis Realtors. Join us next time for more on real estate news, trends, and industry insights. And be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. St. Louis Realtors, your voice for real estate.